Good morning, morning campers. campers. Today's activities will be dodging hot hail. Ah. Lunch today will be a slice of large ham. And to end the night, we will be finding out that Flash Gordon is alive. So put on your sunscreen bug spray and camp uniform as we dive into Flash Gordon. Ah. Mariska Hargate, Sarah. Mariska Hargate, Sam. And Mariska Hargate special guest, Stephen. Stephen! Mariska Hargate to one of us all. <laughs> <laughs> I am your camp counselor, Sam, an ex-pro wrestler in training and current drag wrestling manager. And I'm camp counselor, Sarah, a travel agent. Sure. Why not? And we are here to ask, is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp. We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. And today we have our first guest ever with Steven. Hello, Steven. Hello. I'm very happy to be here. I'm sorry that I'm probably going to eliminate any debate about whether or not Flash Gordon is camp. <laughs> oh we're not here to debate we're just here to <laughs> say yeah yeah this is not a uh, a court of law okay oh good <laughs> thankfully god because i am representing myself in this case so that's good yes any findings will not be held up to the strictest law because quite frankly at this point all laws are somewhat meaningless if a white kid can just murder dudes willy-nilly and get off yeah uh, now, to just uh, calm things down a little bit after that, uh, Stephen, I have a question for you. It's very right. important as our first guest and first guest of a certain, um, what, is, what shall I say here, type. Okay. What made you straight, Stephen? What made me straight? Uh, well, um, uh, Linda Carter... Uh, <laughs> Connie Selica, uh, Mary Tam. Um, oddly enough, like, you know, uh, <laughs> I just rattle off three very camp things in which three <laughs> very similar looking ladies appeared in. So, um, sure. Am, <laughs> am, am, I straight? am I straight? Or do I, do I watch no. camp? Do I watch camp things and pick out the very straight things in them? And those are the things I focus on. I'm not too sure. That's the thing. No. When I was watching this, uh, Stephen picked this out for us this week, and I was watching this, and I was like, "Yeah, I can see why Stephen picked this." But but you haven't watched. You only saw this recently, right? I will. I've so I've seen it twice. I watched it once for another podcast many years ago, thinking I would hate it and it would be terrible and crap because it was a, it was a uh, a podcast called "What the F Are You Watching," and. Uh, and I thought, well, this will be a bad movie because I've heard everyone hates it. And then I watched it and loved it. And then I bought the Blu-ray and then didn't watch it again until this <laughs> came along. And I thought I could either take an episode of Blake 7 or I could watch Flash Gordon because I have the big shiny Blu-ray on there. Uh, and let me tell you, I do not regret that one bit. I watched the Blu-ray version of this and it looks incredible. It is amazing. It's, it's it's the most amazing looking movie of 1980, and I'm including uh, Empire Strikes Back in that. <laughs> it really is a wonder that it came out in 1980 and looks the way it does. Right? <laughs> it's yeah. It, there's so much color. There's so much color. There's so, so much, much color. Gold, 
there's there are, oh we'll get into just, it. just when you think oh i've seen the best costume of the no. film so far somebody else will walk into the room or maybe <laughs> change his outfit and you go oh wait i'm wrong yeah well that's the thing too with the um with the Blu-ray, you can see like the individual beading on the costumes. I was like, there was oh. a lot of work put into this. Yeah, so much, so much money on screen. You could just, you could just feel the profits dying away. You know, like, basically, <laughs> like, oh, they're going into the, going into the red. the The only thing more red than the uh, the money lost in this was probably like ha- most of the costumes in this uh, in this movie. Oh, ninety nine percent. The thing is, it's the costumes that look the most expensive in this film. Everything else kind of doesn't. <laughs> no, everything else looks like they just like upres the original serials. Yeah, which which is perfectly fine. It's perfectly. Oh, oh fine. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was watching this because I've never seen anything of it before, mm-hmm. and I was going, "Oh, I get it. This is this is the Spielberg and Lucas serial thing." Now I get it. Mm-hmm. This is the the epitome of that retro futurism, right? Mm-hmm. Like when a rocket blasts off, at first it makes a sound, and then later on it'll make a as it travels across <laughs> space. Because of course that's what a rocket fucking sounds like. As it teeter totters on on strings. Yes. How yeah. else is it supposed to get around? Yeah, it is. Uh, I I love the Art Deco ness of it all. Um, you know, and, and, and this comes out like, you know, a year after Alien, which is great. Oh my but god. It, everything is oh like my gray and dark and blah and like lived in and like this all of a sudden like every every uh culture or species, I guess, on this weird world has like an entirely different color scheme to them and it's <laughs> all like shiny and it's uh it's just such a breath of fresh air. Have either and... of you seen um Yodorowsky's Dune? No, the documentary I, I did see yes. it once, and it looked like it was it would have been a bonkers movie as well. Yes, um, but Sam, did I describe this to you before? I I know I've like I've seen various mock-ups and things on the mm. internet of Yodorovsky's Dune because I mean, frankly, anything Dune oriented, I'm always like, what is this person's idea for Dune? Because I'm sure it's fucking wild. <laughs> That that's what this also reminded me a bit of. With there's like there's too many chefs, but also how in hell were you going to make this work, even in a world where they were already making Star Wars and Alien? And they yeah. did it, they they did their own thing. That's what I like about yeah. it. You look you look at all the the knockoffs, mostly from like Italy and stuff uh, in the post Star Wars boom. And there are all these like really slight like Battle of the Planets and all those other ones or Battle of the J- I know that you know that one. Uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, and they all like try to mim- mimic that same sort of feel with all the ro- robots and droids and the spaceships and everything else. And Flash Gordon decides, nope, everything is in Technicolor and it's all crazy and everyone's like bright red and shiny gold. Like they go completely against type. Which uh, is admirable given the era when it when it was made. Yeah, this... I finished watching this and I was like, "Now time to do the research." And I was like, "1980." <laughs> <laughs> this feels like visually a very early precursor to uh, Speed Racer, if that makes any sense. Oh Have yeah, I can see that. Seen Speed Racer the movie? No, I haven't. No, that was like early 2000s or something, wasn't it? 
Uh, late 2000s. It was like yeah, we watched it when we were living together, so it would have been before 2009. Yeah, it was uh, Wachowskis, and that movie is just, can we make color the most exciting thing about a film? <laughs> and right. they did. Like, Speed Racer is an undersung classic of a film. I don't think it's a great movie, but it's amazing what they were able to do visually. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like the, the the plot is bonkers bananas, but in terms of how it looks, wow, it is two hours of oh my eyes, they just exploded and I grew new eyes. Great. <laughs> um, so speaking of research, I was going through watching this movie and I was like Okay, so clearly they ripped off Star Wars here and here and here and here. Oh, and... oh sweet pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> and then, this is like uh, I saw somebody complaining about uh, about the new Mulan remake, and they were like, it's just a shitty version of The Force. And I was like, um... Um... <laughs> <laughs> um... So yeah, I, I was going to talk about the history of Flash Gordon. And then we got five minutes into the movie. And then I was going to talk about Edward Said and Orientalism. But I think that might have to be another episode because that's going to be a big topic. That's going to be a oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, time we can spend on the Fu Manchu of it all alone. Yeah. So let's let's just put a pin in Edward Said and his son Ted Talk and uh and come back to him some other time sure. because i started falling down this rabbit hole of george lucas and uh flash gordon so from what i understand lucas wanted to do a flash gordon movie is that correct steven you know a lot more about star wars than i do. I, I believe it yeah because he was he was always he wanted to like bring back these serials i mean if you look at the some of the old Flash Gordon movies, there's like, you know, the, sort of the crawl that's happening. Like, oh, we pick up, you know, the whole feel of Star Wars is kind of built out of those 1930s and 40s Flash Gordon serials. Uh, but he wasn't able to get the rights, which seems hilarious looking back that Dino De Laurentiis wouldn't, um, <laughs> wouldn't say yes, George Lucas, make your Flash Gordon movie. It'd be a very different world that we're living in. Massively different world. What yeah. world would we be living in if George Lucas in like 1975 made his like really cheap looking Flash Gordon movie uh, instead uh, of Star Wars? Oh. Yeah. We'd be going out to see the 27th Flash Gordon film right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Probably starring Chris Pratt because. Uh... YouTube videos. The SJWs ruin Flash Gordon. <laughs> Yes, that bastion of heterosexual mice that Flash Gordon is. How dare they? And you certainly can't tell he's not influenced in any way. I kind of want to go through and see if somebody's made like a YouTube side by side. If not, I want <laughs> I want to be the person who makes that YouTube side by side. It might be yours. Flash Gordon, the comic strip. So it started as like a a newspaper comic strip, which apparently was running until 1992 wow. in movie oh, yeah. theaters. It's I'm like sorry, finding out movie theaters, newspapers, but, mm -hmm. but it's, it's kind of like finding out how Mary Worth and uh, Mark Trail, like Mark Trail is still going, right? Yep. So you're just like, who's reading this? But then again, current Mark Trail is actually pretty good because you learn shit. 
Flash Gordon was a knockoff of Buck Rogers, which I don't know about you guys, but I know better as Duck Dodger. Much better version. <laughs> In the 24th and a half century? That's the one. The 24th and a half century. Um, when they started making movie serials of it, they had Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers played by the same actor as well. Oh, so they, they really have know. just blurred together. Oh, no. However, this leads us back to the influence that created Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, and that's John Carter of Mars. Have either yes. of you guys seen the John Carter movie? No. I, I did once. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not great. I'm going to argue with what I think most people... Most people seem to really like this movie. I think it's very cheesy um, and does not work with Taylor Kitsch's strengths. Which is football boy. Good Glowering. football boy. Glowering good football boy. Isn't John Carter a Confederate as well? John Carter is a Confederate soldier Ooh, after the yeah. Civil War. Yeah. So this is an Edgar Rice Burroughs series of books. Um, same guy who wrote Tarzan. And it's this, like, it's kind of like how there's, uh, you know, 20 different Oz books, but only people really only know the Wizard of Oz. Right. Same, same thing. So there, it starts out with Princess of Mars, and then there's like 10 other John Carter books. So the idea behind the John Carter stories is you have, again, this Confederate soldier after the war right. who's having a pretty hard time. So don't you feel sorry for him? <laughs> Poor wow. guy. Just lost a war. Weird. I mean, yeah, how, how exactly. much war is going to be for anyone else, right? Yeah. Uh, it does get worse, actually, because he is going prospecting, and then he is... Attacked by Apaches. Here we go. He runs into a secret cave, which transports him to Mars. Now, because Earth's gravity is so much stronger than Mars, when he's on Mars, he basically has superhuman powers. He is transformed by their red Earth. Natural. Yep. Um, so, so he oh. is. He can jump. He can run. So he's he, Superman. He's Superman on Mars because it has much less gravity. Yeah. And then it basically follows, like, let me teach you the ways of Earth, love, Martian princess, and so on and so forth. I mean, that's what all the Frank Frazetta paintings are for, right? It's just abs and pecs and big boobs and big butts. But the interesting thing is it's also sort of like a Watsonian story where Edgar Rice Burroughs says, this is a story that my uncle told me. He told me that I could open it after he died, and this is the true thing that happened to him. That sort of thing. Oh. And then at the end of Princess of Mars, he mysteriously gets transported back to Earth. Uh, but there's like nine more books on Mar- Mars, so I don't know what happens at that point. I did not go researching that. It's probably the, oh shit, this book sold a whole bunch. Um, and then I found nine more books my uncle wrote of <laughs> his... Cont- I remember when he disappeared again when I was but a lad... But you can also see the connection to Tarzan, right? It's like stranger in a strange land and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. If you look into the origins of John Carter... What? How deep (laughs) are we going? When does this matryoshka of (laughs) of stuff stop? Are are we going to get to like, and then Gilgamesh went to planet (laughs) Bing Bong... This is like on our Titanic episode where I promised Sam the background wouldn't be too much and I opened with the Wikipedia article on the history of ships. 
The first sailing ship was built exactly. in 2700 BC by the Mesopotamians. Um, if you really want to argue about the exact same story going forward, then you're going to have to go to Jonathan Swift and Gulliver's Travels, which is, again, another story where in these early stories, you don't really see a lot of interest in how did they get to this strange land. It's usually just like, I woke up or I walked into a weird cave and then I was in this strange land. And that's the story of Gulliver's Travels. You know, here's a land with a bunch of really small people. Here's a land with a bunch of really tall people. And so on and so forth. So Gulliver's Travels was then a direct influence on John Carter, which was then a direct influence on Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, which was then a direct influence on Spielberg and Lucas. And then Lucas in turn was an influence on Flash Gordon. So that's how I sort of fell down that path of an Ouroboros of influences of the <laughs> hero's journey. Mm -hmm. I see the, I see the flow chart and it's a direct line. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. I, I love the red strings you've put up around the place, connecting uh, pictures and, and words. Pepe and Sylvia, so, baby. You look so disheveled, Sarah. Are you OK? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm <laughs> fine. I would like to come back to the Orientalism of this some other time, uh, perhaps on a different episode, because I I really do feel like maybe we are not the ideal people to discuss it. Probably not. Although we are the perpetrators of it, so I feel like uh, not discussing it lets off us off scot free. But uh, it was yeah. A if you want to talk yeah. about the the Flash Gordon to Phantom Menace pipeline, it's all here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I put money in the Flash Gordon machine and it spat out a trade federation. Ew. <laughs> it's fascinating that that the movie Flash Gordon would just sort of like echo and mimic the uh, you know the orientalism and the racism of like the 1930s and 40s serials but not actually offer any you know context to it. It's just like we're just doing a thing. It we don't we still don't realize that it's racist and we're just doing this cuz this is what it looked like. That was 1980. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, not examined it, it, at all. No, it isn't. It's Nowadays, really just do it. the, yeah. it's just the one character though who who's suffering. Poor Max von Sydow with his terrible glue on eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. I would argue Princess Aura as well. There's a there's a bit there. Yeah, I mean yeah. she's Italian, uh, and yeah, she doesn't quite look. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, um, but the headdresses particularly, they, they did make me think of Princess Amidala, which is because they're both taken from, I believe, traditional Mongolian wedding uh, headdresses. Interesting. Uh, bastards. Yeah. Uh, so that's the background, such as it is. Sam, mm -hmm. uh, do you want to discuss the actual plot? So the film starts off with this retro-futuristic thing locking onto a claymation earth. <laughs> and two dudes talking ominously about it. Ooh, ooh, what is this? Ooh, it's Earth. They say Earth as if they, as if it's not an actual word on top of things. Like, yes, we call the planet Earth, but there's also like Earth as a thing. Yeah. And also <laughs> as if it's not a word that's already written on their uh, keyboard in Earthquake. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, it's like uh, planet quake or something like that. I just love like, the first the first line is colitis I bored. 
Oh, just like such, such like, like who is Clytus? Why is this person bored? It's a beautiful entry. I love that first it, line. It's great. And, you know, it, it instantly decides instead of showing the bad guy, let's just show the bling of the bad guy. Yeah. 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 Dr. Claw. <laughs> Very yeah. much so, Dr. Claw. Oh, good you gadget. Yeah. And uh, so this this magic computer, because that's the best explanation I've got for it, a magic what? computer, can cause natural disasters. And so they show footage of natural disasters happening. So does this computer have, like, cameras set up all over the world? Or is it hacking into rando cameras around the world? I, I think it's just a Sim City game. And you just, like, turn on disaster <laughs> mode. And it's like, oh, a nuclear accident, space attack, maybe a flood or something like that. That's all it is. Yeah. My absolute favorite button here is the hot hail. As one, <laughs> all of the rest of them are actual legitimate natural disasters. You know, tornado, earthquake, um, a flood. And then there's hot hail, which is made up as far as i'm aware yeah my notes say isn't hot hail just rain <laughs> <laughs> but it's rocks it's rocks is what it is yes. isn't it? yes uh which is probably easier to replicate than any earthquakes or tidal waves what if we just throw some plastic rocks on people that are glowing and stuff and we can call that hot hail it's do we have any dry there. ice it's 1980 there's plenty of dry ice to go around Thank God. And from there, we go right into the credits with Queen's song, yes. Flash. Yes. And it is so much fun. I, <laughs> like my note, my note literally says, these credits fucking rock. I do. Steven, have I told you uh, that I did not hear this until years after you guys had been using the stats I don't? <laughs> the actual song really you didn't know that, that was the, the I, genesis so it. for those of you who who don't know one of steven's many podcasts radio free scaro has a recurring stat segment where they use the flash i except it goes stats uh and yep. i heard something something queen related that brought up and then they did the music for this and i went but that's the stat sting. <laughs> you thought that was an original piece of music. Amazing, isn't it? I thought that you guys were incredibly talented. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. I, I only I only recorded myself singing stats in different keys and then chorusifying it, so to speak, to make it big and uh, try to make try and make me sound a bit like Freddie Mercury. And that was it. <laughs> The rest is all Queen, as evidenced by the uh, copyright uh, infringement notice I get every time we post our episodes to uh, YouTube. Uh, woof. <laughs> no, Whatever. years, years went by without me knowing that that was That's hilarious. Well, sorry for bursting your bubble. I, we we could have kept the charade going uh, for longer had I not watched this movie for this podcast. Yeah. You never know. Well, here we are listening to the best fucking opening credits of any film ever. <laughs> it's it's so much energy, it's so much fun, and it's showing you know the like little bits and pieces from the original co uh, comic cartoon as well. Yeah, it's yeah. just the the Marvel ident. <laughs> it really yeah. is, isn't it? But just with, with way better music, with like a, a rock band like at the top of their game like doing this like that is unheard of for at the time you know you didn't see rock and roll bands do an entire soundtrack for a movie 
or a science fiction movie. And here's Queen. Like, I don't know where they were in, in their career at this point, but it's probably around the same time as, like, We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions. So, like, you know, the arena rock uh, icons that they are. And it's like, yeah, sure, we'll do a, a soundtrack for a weird-ass camp-looking uh, sci-fi movie. God bless Queen for that. What, are, are you going to stop Freddie Mercury from doing anything? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Never, never. He, he probably felt that this movie was being made and immediately ran over to the nearest producer he could find and said, we're going to make the, the soundtrack to this film. What? Yeah, I, 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 no, I never saw Bohemian Rhapsody and I probably never will, but if... No, uh, I, oh I, God, I, no. I do want, like, there should have been at least 15 minutes devoted to this bit alone about how they came to be <laughs> part of Flash Gordon movie, because I need to know that. That should have just been the movie. It should have been the movie. I would watch that. I would watch, like, the Beatles get back. It would just be eight and a half hours of Queen deliberating about whether or not they should do a soundtrack for Flash Gordon. Great. Love this. Put this I'd into... I mean, if, if our track record on making oracular choices over the last few episodes are going anywhere. I'm sure it, within the next week or two, we'll get news that they're going to make a sequel to Bohemian Rhapsody all about how Queen makes the soundtrack to Flash Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Sign me up. Anyway, uh, great credits. You get to see some of the names coming up, but I will reserve them for when they actually appear in the film. And uh, they get right into the hot hail of it. So I wasn't confused <laughs> for too long, right? It's just it's plastic balls being thrown around and it's hot. Uh, our toe-headed hero shows up with a girl. Uh-huh. Like there's, there's just this girl. Who Sarah Sutton. We don't even get her name <laughs> until reference. 25 minutes into this film. I really did think it was Sarah Sutton. For did you really? Wow. No, it's, it's Edmonton, the hair. It's the it's, hair. It's Edmonton Bourne. I'm from Edmonton, Alberta. It's Edmonton Bourne. Melody Anderson is in this film. I've never heard of her from outside anything apart from this, but I just <laughs> know that she was born in Edmonton. CanCon. Yep. CanCon. They, uh, they get into this tiny ass plane with the world's worst green screen in the background. <laughs> and here's where we learn that Flash is a legitimately famous dude. I mean, he has his own name on his shirt. <laughs> That's how you know he's Flash. Yeah. He's is got it his own Ego line. or he's, is it branding? He's got his own line of branding. That is commonplace nowadays. You know, LeBron James has his own little line. He has a t-shirt with his own logo on it. Flash is just ahead of the game. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, suddenly, as they're flying along while he's talking with this lady who... He doesn't allow to introduce herself. Uh, <laughs> there's turbulence. And uh, he's, like, for, for the way he looks, he's really soft-spoken. Like, he is, he seems like a legitimately nice young man. Um, Sam. Sam. Don't burst my bubble. Sam. Don't he burst He does it. go up into the cockpit and tell the pilots how to do their job. Yeah. To be fair, <laughs> they were not good is, at their job. <laughs> not good at their job. <laughs> and they disappeared halfway through the flight too. So. Yeah, they got raptured. Yeah, yeah, it turned into the leftovers. <laughs> so <laughs> dramatic is an understatement. As the sky turns red as fuck, and these people are just going. 
guess there's a little bit of turbulence. <laughs> no, the sky doesn't do this color. And she immediately becomes a damsel in distress. Like she goes zero to damsel in three seconds. Yep. This is where we uh, cut away to these weird science boys who sleep head to head with each other. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. Zarkov's a weird dude. Uh, he has this weird relationship with his uh, uh, his partner guy there, his subordinate. Assistant, life assistant, partner. Uh, who goes on to be in oh. Raiders of the Lost Ark in the next year. Um, and Wait, really? Reason, yeah, he's a Wait, guy. He's, he's one of the guys that sends uh, Indy off to uh, Egypt to look for the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Ah, oh, top man, top man. Yep. Yeah, uh, yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's Topol for God's sake. It's like Fiddler on the Roof. Topol. He was in uh, what was he in? Uh, he'll he'll also be in a movie in 1981 um, uh, for your for her eyes only for your eyes only. Sorry, I'm oh. he's in that. So like for so right away we get it. We get a notification that like we have some big movie talent in this crazy ass movie. Uh, yeah, it's Topol. Just... It's a weird way to introduce the characters sleeping head to head with each other. Yep. Inside of a science room. Yeah, mm-hmm. the other option is, you know, inside a sardine tan can that they <laughs> roll up and key themselves into. Yeah. Uh, but these these science boys know that shit is up and nobody believes them. Somehow he's figured out exactly what's going on. Like he presses a couple buttons on some monitors and stuff, and he's like, "Oh, the Earth is off its axis by twelve degrees." It's like, "What? You got that from this?" Okay, all right. I don't know science, and he's like, "We have to stop this in our homemade rocket." <laughs> he's been working on a rocket ship. He's been working on a rocket ship in his science hut. Mm-hmm. That also it consists of like three computers, one full size rocket ship, and a greenhouse. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. As, as is any good science hut. Yeah. <laughs> I I would not trust a homemade rocket. Just <laughs> saying. Oh no, no. There's horror stories about the creation of the jet propulsion lab uh where at one point there was an incident where somebody uh was so damaged in an explosion they couldn't tell their biological sex from the body wow yeah yeah no listen listen to uh the creation of the jpl and it's just it's crazy it's all the way down i don't know if i want to Quite frankly, but I mean, there was also that guy a couple years ago, one of the flat earthers who built a homemade rocket in order to prove that the earth was flat and blew himself up as he was in the sky. And it's, oh, oh, honey. No, I think, I think humanity's track record of trusting yourself to build a rocket ship is very low. Yeah. So unless, unless you're Dr. Hans Zarkov. Yeah, exactly. This is where uh, his science bro fa- bails on him and uh, leaving because I'm not great with names in movies unless it's very predominantly said. Mm-hmm. And um, Like so Dr. Just, Hans Zarkov over and over and over again. Yeah. No, I just call him Dr. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> but I will do my best to call him Zarkov, a much more normal name than Z- Dr. Bro. 
<laughs> we've repeated Zarkov like ten times in the last two minutes. So yeah. if that if Sorry. that hasn't hammered at home, Zarkov. I don't know what else to do. I didn't Zarkov. recognize Topol as as Zarkov until I ever I had to look him up to see. I thought Topol was in this movie because there's this clean shaven dude with Harrison Ford hair running around. He's kind of handsome. Yeah, it it was a surprise. I was like, this is this is your Zeller's Harrison Ford. <laughs> Zeller's Harrison Ford. Oh, honey, I miss Zeller. Uh, so Flash manages to save the plane. Thank God, because the pilots were just raptured. But he yeah. crashes it into Zarkov's science house, which is you know also a miniature, by the way. Yeah. Good yeah. model work, though. I, mean, I admire yeah. the model work. You know, I love miniatures. Yeah, I, even yeah. if they're crappy, just I would love to see them all the time. <laughs> I think, I think in a movie like this, that's so wholeheartedly embracing the retro futurism that it is, mm-hmm. putting a miniature in it makes absolute sense, and not even a great miniature. Just like all the miniatures in this film are so clearly miniatures that you just go, "Aha." Uh-huh, because it's the 30s, right? Yeah. That too, it really makes you appreciate how well, uh, how good of a job they did on Star Wars. Because mm-hmm. like every, all those, all the miniatures and movies around Star Wars, that even after Star Wars, that should be better than Star Wars are not better than Star Wars. You know, I watched the the Battle of Hoth in Empire Strikes Back, and like, yes, they're miniatures because I know that they're miniatures because I did build like an 18 story tall adats or anything like that. But they still look just fabulous, and then they look you great. watch you watch other movies. You go, that's a miniature. That's just a miniature. They're just throwing a, ro- a toy rocket into a house. I know what that is. Come on, I I can see the scene between the two tables you set up, guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they they convince me, and you know why? It's editing, probably. They don't they don't let us look at it too quick, too uh, too long, uh, in one place. That's how they that's how they do it. Editing, editing, and skill. That's apparently what makes good movies. <laughs> The secret it, ingredient. That's it. Yeah. Trying really hard <laughs> and Shit, being that, good at it. Is that why our podcast isn't doing banger numbers? We're just not, <laughs> we're just not trying hard enough because we got the editing down pat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Gifted editor. <laughs> so, uh. Flash and unnamed lady get out of the plane and uh, are immediately accosted by Zarkov, who brandishes a gun and basically goes, get in my fucking homemade rocket or I'll shoot you for science. For science. I love it. I don't know why he needs to take prisoners at this point, other than he needs more than just himself to run the rocket, which is also a very bad design. He needed an inanimate carbon rod, is what he needed. (laughs) Just shove in the door or something. Like, I could just take one of your arms or something and wedge it to close the door. A brick on the pedal and a mop with a bucket on top with a face drawn on it. I I like that he only needs one. So, like, he he kidnaps uh, a person who to to be named later, Dale. Uh, and says, okay, I've got her. I don't need you, Flash Gordon. Get out. And so, like, he basically holds her at gunpoint uh, and is about to take off in the rocket to do whatever. Um, I found that funny, that he would he would only do it with one person. 
Sarkov. He comes around very quickly, though. He becomes an ally in record time, I feel like, <laughs> after this very unbalanced introduction where he's pulling a gun on his supposed allies that he's suddenly uh, on the side. I just kidnapped you, yep. and now we're best friends. Stop <laughs> set in so quickly with the three of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he and Flash get into a fist fight. And they accidentally blast off. They should be fucked. What's his plan? Who knows? And uh, they fall into the dopest looking wormhole ever created. <laughs> These sky backgrounds look incredible. For whatever I... the sort of weird atmosphere is supposed to be around Ming's planet. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like so sunset. Next it's level. like yeah. permanent sunset, like... Uh you know, hippie sort of backgrounds with oil and water, like you would see in like, yeah, it's, uh, it's glorious. I would have paintings of that. If I had, if I had a zoom background of the, uh, the atmosphere on Ming's planet, uh, over the past <laughs> couple of years, I would have been much happier about this pandemic. I, I believe it's called the planet Mongo. Mongo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the moons of Mongo. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm, great. Love it. Anyway, they, uh, they make it through the vortex unscathed other than falling asleep because vortexing is real hard. And they show up on the planet Mongo where they're immediately accosted by the guards outside of the Wicked Witch of the West's uh, palace. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they all but I chant. thought this was Gallifrey. You could just put a snow globe on that and that's Gallifrey. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, oh, look, look how red the sky is. Time Lords, you say. Hmm. Yes. It's those broad shoulders on the costumes. Yeah. Tell me more about these broad shoulders, please. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sam, no, there's only room for one incredibly horny person here, and Princess Aura has soaked it all up. Oh, boy. You, you lie. Brian Blessed is everything to me in this film. My note says twunk Brian Blessed. I was not prepared for this. Oh, oh, I love him, but we're not there yet. We're not no. at the, the the we're not at the blessings that is Brian Blessed. <laughs> uh, so the weird guards use magic gloves to take them prisoner, and suddenly everything is red and gold. Yeah, it is just unbelievable, and it's only one tone of red as well. Yep. Red. Utterly gorgeous. Utterly gorgeous. Everything. Everything in this in that opening ballroom scene. Rue said to the girls, this week's runway challenge is red on red on red. <laughs> it is incredible. And I, I will knock it that, yeah, this movie doesn't always look like it has a lot of money, but it does do well in terms of building up um, clear, distinct communities in this mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you've got your Afrofuturists, mm -hmm. you've got uh, some black and white Star Trek knockoffs, you've got Leather Hawkmen, you've got uh, this race of ladies who's just uh, titty sitting. <laughs> <laughs> you've got Robin Hood and his merry men. Oh, yes, and lizard dudes. Yep. And yep. Kenny Baker. And, and Kenny Baker. <laughs> Baker and who, who else? Oh, it's Brian. Goddamn, blessed. <laughs> Die. 
I oh. I saw young Brian Blessed with his thighs out, and I went, oh, no, Sam. <laughs> you knew exactly who I was focusing on the whole <laughs> film. He's, A, he has an enormous head, first off. Because it, <laughs> What's the first thing you look for in a man? <laughs> no, no, in, in, in proportion to the rest of his body, his noggin is it's like a big old pumpkin up there with a giant beard attached. He's got to house the voice. <laughs> yeah, where else is it coming from? Uh, but this whole choice to to spray tan the the entire race of hawk dudes is something. I thought that they were just dirty because they were like Klingon warriors, right? Like rust right. and grime and dirt and blood. And then later on you get to see the Hawk Dude Palace, which is pristine white. And I go, oh, they're all just tanned from wearing leather harnesses all day. <laughs> <laughs> they got no protection from the sun. No, it's like it's like weather beaten. You know, if they're flying through the air, like a lot of wind damage probably. That's why they're so yeah. battered. Yeah, nobody moisturized back then. No one. No. no. And uh, who should appear in front of this congregation of various fun and and bedazzled races, but Ming the fucking queen. I mean, the merciless. <laughs> uh, another Star Trek, uh, not Star Trek, Star Wars connection with Max von Sydow, who showed up to be, for everybody to go, ooh, who's Max von Sydow playing? And then just disappeared. Didn't show up again for three more movies. Yeah, yeah. No, what, what was up with that? Well, he had the most important line in Star Wars The Force Awakens after, you know, a bunch of people are, are pretty cynical after the prequels. And so the very first line of the new trilogy of Star Wars films that will hope bring hope again to a whole new generation is this will begin to make things right. I will never forget that because it's basically oh, we are that's the first thing, first line of the entire movie. Is and then he movie. looked at the camera and winked. <laughs> yep, we're oh, no. going to make it better than the prequels. Ding. And then he slaughtered within four minutes. They did for a hot second in The Last Jedi, and I will stand on this fucking hill and say, The Last Jedi was a great direction. And then J.J. Abrams walked in and said, nope, never mind. Anyway, Dalton's here as well. Oh, my uh, God. Who is, I mean, who is, he is. Oh, uh, uh, this, this is why the movie succeeds for me, is because they get... I don't know what the deal is with with uh, actors in the UK because it's a shot in London and they get like the people who acted in the UK in the in the mid to late 70s just must be used to this sort of thing and bringing perfect gravitas to it and perfect amount of over the top and just like Brian Blessed, like <laughs> Timothy Dalton for crying out loud. He goes on to be James Bond and he plays this straight down the middle i love that he 100 percent. he is he is devoted to the truth of this character perfectly straight he is a fucking action hero and he's brilliant brian blessed who is brian blessed yes but if you watch him in like the first uh couple episodes of i claudius from 1976 he is a tremendous actor in that yeah, super Max von Sydow. Uh, you've got others in there. Uh, we, uh, we'll probably get into a Doctor Who actor roll call because there are a lot of them. Uh, oh, really? That's oh, the thing. Yeah. I thought about looking this up and I was like, no, Steven's going to know them all off by heart anyway. <laughs> I I probably do. Okay, so what, we're, we're there now. Uh, so we've got uh, we've got uh, Brian Blessed, of course, who's in Doctor yes. Mind Warp. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Peter Wingard in behind the mask is Clytus, who played yep. uh, uh, Timonov in Planet of Fire, but of course is known for a lot of other things in, in British TV industry. Uh, John Hallam uh, is one of the Birdmen. He plays Light in Ghost Light. Later on, uh, we ha- see John Hollis ever so briefly wearing one of those little goggles. As a bald guy, he plays um, Professor Sondergaard. But he also, in that very same year, is uh, is Lobot. Uh, Lando oh, Calrissian's, wait, what? Yeah, yeah uh, wow. right, right-hand man in Empire Strikes Back. You're blowing my mind. Uh, Deep Roy plays the pet. <laughs> well, Princess I mean, it's... Aura. We know on a is star yeah. of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm, tr- I'm doing this all the, for the top of my head. Of course, uh, Timothy Dalton was uh, Rassilon in the end of time. Um, I'm trying to think. There might be others that I'm uh, I'm not even scanning a cast list. I'm just going through the mind palace in my mind of Doctor <laughs> Who actors. I think there's a couple stunt performers that are in there too. But yeah, there's th- and th- it, it really do- it says something. When you're looking at Flash Gordon and amongst all of this, probably the most straight down the middle character, it, except for Timothy Dalton, is Richard O'Brien. He's Rocky Horror oh Picture God. Show. And he I saw a- Richard O'Brien's name in the opening credits and I went, Rocky Horror? I'm like, I don't remember. And then I saw his face and I was like, oh yeah, that's yeah. that's 100% the same guy. And you would it's, think that he would be the most outlandish of them all, but he, nope. even he realizes that in a movie like this, there's nowhere I can go. So I am, I am bringing it right down to earth and playing this straight down the line. The, I love it. The only thing Richard O'Brien does is that if you watch him in the backgrounds of scenes, the way he stands or sits, it's always as like, loungily here's one leg out kind of yeah. oh i'm so femme in the way i sit or stand yeah right that that's all he can manage to get out yep and that's all he needs when you're richard mm-hmm. o'brien uh i mean have i told sarah sarah have i told you my theory about british actors uh there's only 20 of them and that's why they're all in everything yes that, that is exactly it there's there's roughly about I would say a hundred British actors available at any one time. Mm-hmm. And when one dies, a new actor must come <laughs> forward. <laughs> and if you look in the background of episodes of Doctor Who, you'll just see Ian McKellen in a Cyberman outfit. Don't you? Don't <laughs> my, things my dreams are made of. There's only a hundred of them. That's why you could get like, any of them to appear anywhere in just the most thankless role and for no reason. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Timothy Dalton looks fucking amazing in this film as well. He He really does. He looks like Matt Bomer and Henry Cavill had a kid. (laughs) He does too. I never thought about that. That is just on the hot fuzz uh, commentary. Edgar Wright says, uh, uh, he looks like a cartoon fox, and that's all I've been able to think of ever since. <laughs> that's so good. 100% does. I was right with my Robin Hood, yeah. Uh, uh, this is where I I actually get to see who I called Black and Gold Muppet Boy. And for the film, I called him Muppet Boy. Clytus, as you guys have called him. Incredible voice. Because oh, he's Peter got a mouth. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's true. Turns, he's, he's kind of like Terrence and Philip from South Park. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ming, what's going on today? Yeah. 
Uh, it turns out that Brian Blessed's daughter is being held captive by Ming, which is why he's, you know, going, okay, I'll do what you say. And you never see her again. No. <laughs> I just trying to think, her daughter, which, which one is the daughter? I remember Princess Aura, but I don't remember the daughter. That's why. She's in it for one shot where she goes like, father, no. And he right. goes, ah. Yeah. Uh, this is where one of the Afrofuturist princes tries to kill Ming. And his weird floating orb comes down, freezes him in place, and then Ming kills him back. Yeah. <clears throat> purple blood, it's it's dope. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I love the purple blood. That was cool. It's just, it's these little touches of, you didn't need to do that, and there's no explanation for it. But sure, world building. Why not? Let's go it's, with it. It shows they're not human. This isn't just humans dressed up. These are people who bleed purple blood. Mm-hmm. And evil Slave Leia shows up. <laughs> I also had Slave Leia written down, yes. <laughs> See, this was this was me putting down the... God damn it, guys. It, Star Wars only came out three years ago. Everybody's going to recognize these references. <laughs> they don't care. They're milking it. Oh, no, to be fair, no. though, that didn't have Slave Leia in it, though. No, no. Uh-huh. Yeah. They were ahead of the curve. They there were... we go. Mm-hmm. So we find out that Flash plays for the New York Jets. I don't know if that's good or not. I'm sure there's people out there right now going, boo, the Jets, fuck those guys, and other people who are like, we're Jets fans, hooray for Flash. I don't I don't follow NFL football, but I do know no. that over the past 10 years, the Jets have been horrific. How they were in 1980, I don't know. But Well, they um, had Flash Gordon. They must be the best. Obviously, they were much better back then. I know they won the Super Bowl in 1969 with Joe Namath, but uh, after that, my New York Jets knowledge ends. <laughs> I know yeah. uh, when you're a Jet, you're a Jet all the way from your first cigarette <laughs> to your last nine day. <laughs> oh, you bitch. <laughs> snap, snap, snap. Uh, is, there, is there an NFL team called the Sharks? Because I there would is. Love well, no. Is that hockey? So there used to be, yes, there's a hockey team called the Jets and there's a hockey team called the Sharks. And uh, <gasps> yes, every time they meet up, uh, West yes, yes, uh, yes. Side Story has been has been mentioned. Yeah, great, it's been great, done. Great. Yeah. I love it. I love that the straights are getting some of the gay stuff. They're <laughs> gay members. Uh, gay runoff, if you will. It's, I will so, not. I absolutely will not. <laughs> It's 26 minutes into this movie and we finally get the lady's name. It's Dale. What a name. <laughs> Great. Love that. Uh, Ming's ring, which can not only control computers, but also it can pleasure a woman from afar. Yeah, yeah. it turns her into red jasmine. Yeah. It's got an orgasm setting. It's real fucking weird. Yeah. And so in retaliation, Flash decides to fight the guards uh, Dale does nothing because she's just a damsel in distress. It turns out that for all their training and being part of a police state authoritarianism bullshit, they could never, ever have conceived that someone would beat them via football. Nope. Football was nope. not the thing they trained for. I love that the little uh, pep talk where Ming sort of brings – oh, no, it's Clydes who brings everybody in. And so they go, okay, like, like as a coaching huddles, they go, go get them. Like, really, that's all he tells. Like, just continue doing what you're doing, except do it better. And, of course, he doesn't because they, yeah. they all get beat up. And also the fun. fact they only have about 10 feet to play with. So he has to go back and forth constantly. Yeah. <laughs> you Nobody think at any, 
any point, Ming has death rays all over the place <laughs> in a magic ring. He would just go, Pichow, taking care of that issue, on to the next. Also, all of you are fucking fired. <laughs> in keeping but, with the Stormtrooper tradition, really. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really any, do anything. Brian Blessed loves this. You can see him in the background of most of these shots just, ah, yes! <laughs> Tripping them up sometimes to help him mm-hmm. out a little bit, sort of like little, ooh, that was a beep, or her, yep. Yeah, uh, we see uh, Princess Aura, who is Ming's daughter, just like gushing over Flash. Like, oh, I've, I have never seen a man football people before, but this is my thing. <laughs> I've found my new fetish, and it happens to be this toe-headed weirdo. Yeah. <sighs> Princess, I feel like you could write <laughs> several theses on this movie. Princess Aura also gets one. <laughs> what a, uh, what about Princess Sora makes you uh, makes you intrigued here, Sarah? I I find it interesting. Uh, we've talked a lot about male gaze and female gaze on this, but also just as soon as she shows up, this movie gets uncomfortably horny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we wanted to skip to the next scene where she's teaching him to fly, it's basically just an Austin Powers scene where she's like, "Careful." They're very sensitive, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Oh, oh no! I did write down in that scene. Oh, I fell down. Oh, I fell over again. Because <laughs> it happened so much with her. Um, but yeah, Flash gets captured, and he's going to get executed. Well, oh no, bad times. But Ming decides to keep Dale as another concubine or wife or whatever. Uh, Flash gets sort of. He gets his head put in a box, and then he gets his. Then the box gets put into another box, and then the box gets <laughs> made to myself. And when it arrives, I smash it with a hammer. Um, or to no, save on postage, we could gas him. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> that's what they do. Uh, yep. Dale shows up dressed real cool. And, I feel uh, like this Dale Ming thing is the. The thing that dates the movie most of all, I feel like if you yeah. have this this rape storyline hovering over it, it kind of kills everything else when you're watching it in 2021. Mm-hmm. Like if this was if this film was made today, Dale would be a million times more competent and probably actually saving Flash most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd find a way to give her travel agent superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she somehow got 10 pounds of extra hair as well. Not body hair, head hair. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Holy, you never know. I just killed Sarah. I'm sorry. It is 1980. Um... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ming arrives in a new outfit for this, uh, this execution, I guess, because he's he's got an outfit for every possible thing he does. If he and moves to a new scene... New outfit. New yes, it's called fashion. Yeah, it's, it's called, fashion. It says, I, I wrote down right here, costume department is having capital F-U-N. Uh, Listen, we, uh, my spouse Erica and I have been watching bad like Lifetime and Hallmark movies and playing bingo, trying to pick, uh, pick out all the tropes of them. And mm-hmm. one of them that we've noticed that we haven't played on a bingo card is how many coats these... Uh, female leads in, in Hallmark movies own because every single scene that they go outside, 
they're she's wearing a different coat eight oh, or nine God. coats when she's supposed to be like owning the struggling business in a small town that like only makes like wooden <laughs> christmas toys or something all year <laughs> round and she owns like nine coats so if, if a woman budget. in a life if, yeah, if a woman in a lifetime christmas movie, on coats. yeah if she could spend so much money on coats that yes i could believe that Ming, <clears throat> the emperor would have an outfit for every execution he's performed oh uh. Bring Ming into a, a Hallmark or Lifetime Christmas movie. This economy <laughs> survives only on hot cocoa. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the emperor of a planet. And she just happens to make the best gingerbread in all of the town. <laughs> How do I ever make it work? Uh, what am I doing here? What is this Christmas? And he discovers the true meaning of Christmas on the Hallmark Channel this holiday season. <laughs> the highest body count of any Hallmark movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would pay to see that. Uh, uh, so it looks like Flash dies, but then Aura has him uh, resurrected. Yeah. <laughs> this is where I wrote down. You remember that scene in, in 30 Rock? Where Jenna Maroney's like, I, and I'll fix it using my don't say feminine charms. Feminine charms. <laughs> this is where Aura uses her feminine charms to convince the doctor to bring Flash back to life. This is Maybe where I so said she... we need to spray Aura with a water bottle like a misbehaving cat. Yeah. Constantly. It, it's fascinating that there is a uh, an adult film parody of this called Flesh Gordon, which I think came yes. out around the same time. Uh, I haven't seen it uh, since many moons ago, and I probably didn't watch all of it. Uh, uh, but at times when I'm watching this movie, I'm going, did they just take bits from this movie <laughs> and and shoot other scenes to make that other movie? Because sometimes the lines are very blurred. Well, why else would there be a mirror in the top of this coffin? <laughs> oh, God. Very good but point. Why is there a mirror in the top of his coffin? Uh, she she brings him back to life and then, in the biggest quotation marks possible, stealthily sneaks him out. Yeah. <laughs> and by that, I mean clomp, 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 poke my head around a corner, clomp, clomp, clomp. Well, because the doctor uh, is, you know, <laughs> she has used her feminine feminine wiles on him as well, you see. So that's how she could get in there. We we now cut to uh, Zardoz. What's his name? Zardoz? Zardoz is an entirely different movie, uh, <laughs> uh, which is also camp. Uh, Zarkov. 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 My yeah. bad. Zarkov is about to get the uh, Goldfinger special from Ming. And no, not the mind probe. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that Ming destroys any planet that figures out that he's the guy who shows up and almost destroys them, which isn't a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> his, his colonization efforts probably have a very high, like, whoops, another planet destroyed. Moving on. <laughs> they found out who I was again. Well, blow that one up. So this new character comes in, who I've just simply called Lady Vogue, because that's how she walks into the scene. She I think her name's up. Commander Kala or something like that. 
Yeah. Nope. Lady, Lady Vogue. All right. She, <laughs> she vogues up to him, and I love her. <laughs> they begin this mind wipe, which shows kind of his life in reverse, but some of the events are in forward. It doesn't make a whole hot lot of sense. There's a lot of cats. There's He's a been lot on of the tigers. Lot. Tigers yeah. and cats. He watched all of Tiger King and he loves himself a cat name. Well, that's well, that's what he was doing. He was thinking of Einstein and cats to prevent his actual mind from being wiped, you see. That was part of the cleverness of it all. Sure. No? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I mean, he it, mentions, yeah, Shakespeare and Einstein. And I was like, but I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm not super familiar with Einstein. Maybe he did do a lot of work with cats. Uh, he might have. We didn't know. We don't know everything. I thought, uh, obviously, there's something really dark where they thought like a playful little jape of throwing uh, his wife into the swimming pool at a party would be fun. And then she drowns. Uh, that was. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Is like, I, I saw that. And I'm like. Did it imply that this ha 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 prank ended with her death? Yes, that's exactly what happened. I mean, it also brought up Hitler at the same time and implied that he was young during the during the war, which seemed pretty oh. upset. I think his father is played by himself as well. Yes, oh, yes. Is. Yeah. 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 So uh, this is where... Uh, Clytus and Lady Vogue want to now fill his brain up with reprogramming, you know, like they did in Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> sure. They'll, just, they'll show him pictures of dolphins and Hitler. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, he tells her, don't go beyond level three, and she immediately goes to level six. <laughs> why not? Who Who's going to tell this bitch what to do? <laughs> no one. She's got whips. Joan yeah. Collins owns 51% of <laughs> <laughs> So we we cut back to Flash and Aura, uh, who at this point I started typing her as main daughter. Like like in the in the Swedish tradition, main right. <laughs> And she is seducing him while he pilots the ship that they stole, but they never show that they stole the ship. There's a lot of weird like time skips of oh now we're in this place doing this thing just assume that the thing that happened before happened before yeah it's it's taken it as red i wonder if there's like a three-hour cut uh that, that exists this movie that showed every laborious detail of their their escape that don't we need to see the... it no <laughs> we don't no no this is this is better this way there's, uh, only, there's only so many, uh, like, you know, pilots or guards that can be outwitted using feminine wiles, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is where she's seducing him, right? Yeah. She's really being like, ooh, ooh, this is how you pilot the ship. And I have a secret pleasure moon. Secret pleasure moon? What? <laughs> yep. Is it like Riza kind of pleasure or more like a Walt Disney World kind of pleasure? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna need a third person to operate the Ferris wheel while we're on it. <laughs> Here, put on this goofy hat. No, it really is just goofy. <laughs> uh, Dale is being kept in a harem. Fun. This and is where I wrote saying... down that George Lucas was right about there being no bras in space. <laughs> 1980. <laughs> this whole Dale plot is just 
uncomfortable from start to end. Yeah. Just woofs everywhere. Uh, Flash threatens to kill both him and Aura if he can't use the telepathy phone to call Dale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which she freaks bold... out because apparently she doesn't know how to fly a plane anymore. <laughs> bold move, uh, Flash, of let me talk to my girlfriend, maybe. <laughs> Whose uh, name via... I don't quite know yet. Uh... Via telepathy. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll kill us both. All right. Um, he's He starts talking with Dale and he's being the whole, like, I'm going to get you out. And she's taking this telepathic intrusion awfully well <laughs> <laughs> and then and then uh aura gets uh, gets to business again and then you know let's say distracts uh flash so his telepathic message is somewhat uh, diluted shall we say yeah he's he's flying a ship telepathically communicating with his girlfriend and getting who knows what from aura <laughs> yeah. all at the same time how is the ship staying on course? <laughs> Obviously, there was an autopilot that Aura <laughs> conveniently left out in the explanation. Uh, yeah, she, is... she actually set him up at like the Fisher Price My First dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> this one goes ring, 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 ring. Yeah. Uh, so Dale decides to trick a slave girl, drugs her up, switches clothes with her. Great. Good move, I Dale. Hate like, I hate this part. I don't like it. Don't like it one. Yeah, yeah. This is why I'm going very quickly through it. But it turns out that all the moons of Mongo are completely different kingdoms, all individually styled for their users' tastes. And Ming keeps them fighting with each other so they can't work together to rise up against him. Hmm. That sounds awful familiar. Yeah, uh, one of the um, the concubines in there is also played by someone who is, believe it or not, in an even more campy outfit in the second to last Blake 7 episode, which is remarkable. It's called Warrior. If you've ever seen it and if you've ever seen that hair, you will know. But I recognized her face immediately and I thought, wow, she only does massively ridiculous uh, science fiction stuff. It's great. I love her career. She's got, she's got a style. She knows what she wants to do, and this is what it what it is. Mm -hmm. So Dale now stealthily escapes as well, clomp, 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 while also being spangly as fuck and real hard to miss. But the good news is all of the guards have horse blinders on. Yep. <laughs> Almost <laughs> literally, yep. Yeah. They're, they're all real bad at, at their job. And this is where Dale suddenly finds some competency in the ability to cartwheel and murder everyone. <laughs> it's a stunt. She's a travel agent who just happens to know some martial arts so she can cartwheel and fire a laser rifle and kill all these guards. It's, uh, yeah. She murders a lot of dudes. <laughs> she does. She all does at once. Cold blood. blood. And yep. feels nothing. Oh. <laughs> I think there's more to Dale than we give her credit, but the film's not interested in that. No. 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 Uh, she finds... Uh, I'm going to try and say his name again. Zavrok? Zarkov. I, you're doing this on purpose now. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I'm not, because I've only got Dr. Bro written down. 
<laughs> so I don't have his name. Zarkov. Z-A-R-K-O-V, right? Yes. Zarkov. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try. I'm really going to try. Or is easy. Zarkov isn't. Uh, so now she escapes with him, but he's been brainwashed by Ming's dudes so that he can turn on her. But it kind of doesn't work because of the whole, I thought about Shakespeare and Kings while I was getting brainwashed. It didn't work. It, it's a bit of a mess of a plot part. So we just move on anyway. Yep. To the planet moon of Endor. Yeah. Yes. I I almost wondered, did they cobble some of these sets for Endor in a couple years time when they may return the Jedi? Because part of it really reminded me of it. Uh, you think as... so, but in terms of um, what's the kindest say to, way to say quality of these sets? <laughs> uh, are, are they also some of the settiest set that ever did set? Yeah, yeah, they are a little bit. Yeah, I love that everybody here is color coded to green, and uh, for whatever reason, they're having a a kind of gum to bar. Uh, uh, well, I was going to say Bar Mitzvah slash Gom Jabbar. Because <laughs> this child is coming of age and he must put his hand in the box. Yeah, and what does he get? He gets stung by a wood beast and dies. Well, he doesn't die because he would. They, they go, what? They lose their mind or something like that. And so he begs to be, you know, spare me from the madness. And of course, it's Timothy true. Dalton does it. Um. Because he's honorable. This this shows you how terrible this society is. It's, it's quite awful. It's wild. But this yeah. is also great because after seeing this scene, I finally went, oh, uh, that that finally made sense. Did you guys ever watch a show called Drawn Together? No. I've only seen bits of it. Okay, so Drawn Together was a quote-unquote animated reality TV show. But really, it was it was during that time where cartoons were just like, let's be as across the board offensive as we possibly can. There's some great jokes in it. And one of the jokes was one of the characters thinks he's gay. So he, they have this ritual of, he has to put his hand inside this stump where the wood beast lives and wood beast bites him. Then he's gay. <laughs> and he goes, huh? Well, I don't feel anything and pulls out a stump instead. His hand's been bitten clean off. He's <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, that, that was great for me. I laughed and laughed and laughed. But yes, Gom Jabard, he, the kid's Gom Jabard, and Timothy Dalton gives him the mercy of a quick and clean death. I wonder if it's just that we know Timothy Dalton is going to go on to be James Bond, but I'm like, he is movie starring all over the place. I don't want to watch anyone else in this. I just want to see Prince Baron. <laughs> and like later on, he basically becomes like Han Solo, like shooting everybody yeah. in the... Uh in the spaceship and stuff. And he kind of has the hair like Han Solo. And it's just like, damn, he missed his calling a little bit playing all yeah. these little highfalutin uh, British uh, uh, dramas and stuff. He should have been like a Han Solo or something else. Yeah. He was but um, this is where we learn about the sort of sexual chemistry between him and Aura of she's the daughter of an evil tyrant. He's the prince of a wood planet. Can they love each other? Uh, I'm not sure about her. Because she seems to be very flippant both ways of, oh, I love you. But she says this about everyone. So... Hard to commit. Hard to commit. Hard to pin <laughs> her down for a, for a straight answer. Yeah. Oh, God. She is all over the place. 
so Dalton is convinced to hold on to Flash as a prisoner because he definitely wants to bone Princess Aura. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we and cut back. Went. I mean, to be fair, we oh, cut back <laughs> to, to Daniel and Dr. Zardok. Zarkov. Damn it! <laughs> I'm not, I swear on the darkest, naughtiest gods that I am not doing it. I'm trying so hard to, to maybe I should use the find and replace function on my phone. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. We will not. Uh, they, they get kidnapped. They get stopped by the hawk dudes. That's it. Anyway, Flash gets lowered into the swamp with some lizards. Like those those lizard boys who have the eyeballs coming out of their mouths. That was really creepy, by the way. Yeah. Oh, super creepy. It's I, far I than was trying to see it and I was like, all I don't know if they were actually hand puppets, but all I was seeing was hand puppets where it's just <laughs> the hand bending. <laughs> Maybe for the close ups. Like yeah. a very well but it like a bandrel from Time Lash. So he's going to be held in this cage, literally in a swamp, not like over a swamp or in a swamped area, but like they lower the cage into the swamp. So all of the prisoners kind of have to just stick their heads out and go, all right, well, I guess this is how we live now. Yep. Until they get executed or something. Yep. Yeah. Whatever fate happens to them. Uh, And then we cut again very quickly to Princess Aura being tortured by Lady Vogue and being held down by magic hands. The magic hands and the uh, the what the uh, the boar worms uh, the boar worms is that what it was? No, no, yeah. boar worms. Yeah, they they want to worm her, and it's never shown what these worms really are and what they nope. do. But you know it's awful because she begs her father, "Father, no, please," and he's just no. And walks off. Great. (laughs) Ming Ming is a singularly minded person of, oh, you betrayed me? Well, guess it's time to torture you. Yep. If we want to talk about uh, show, don't tell, though, if we compare like, no, not the boar worms. So I'm I'm obviously thinking of the version of this in Star Wars. It's that um, it's that droid that has the injector thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that, that turned still Princess Leia scares the hell out of me. The the orb that turned Princess Leia British temporarily. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, she had some uh, some recurring British flashbacks later on too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that thing scared the hell out of me. It still scares me seeing that shot where it's like zooming in on her. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Compared to no, not the boar worms. I'm just saying that maybe, maybe if George Lucas had made this movie, maybe it would have been Star Wars again. <laughs> it would have been this strange little worm, this little puppet worm that someone would be holding and just <laughs> wriggling along. Oh, look at me! I'm a boar worm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> there's my impression of malicious crumb. Salacious. God damn it! Well, it's, it's it's the same family as Zarkov, so it makes sense. It's fine. Fine, fine. Let's yeah. let's do this. Uh, 
so Timothy Dalton's hanging out with Richard O'Brien. Yeah. Richard O'Brien plays the flute like he always fucking loves to. Have you guys ever seen uh, The Crystal Maze? No, I haven't. No. Okay. So in the late 80s into the 90s, Richard O'Brien was the host of this British game show called The Crystal Maze. And it is one of the most fun game shows to watch because it's not the contestants sitting around answering questions. It's like they converted an entire studio space into five different zones that you can go into and then do physical, mental, and skill challenges in order to find crystal balls that you then, at the end of the show, go into this giant dome and have to try and catch as much money that is being shot out of the floor and into the air as possible. And you get like plus 10 seconds for each crystal ball you've collected. But he spends the entire show uh, just being as queer and annoying as possible. (laughs) A fucking flute. He'll sit next to the person doing the challenge, just playing the flute right into their goddamn ear. And it is, it's such, it's such, I highly recommend looking up episodes of The Crystal Maze on YouTube because it really is a lot of fun. They brought it back recently with Richard Ioade as uh, the, the new uh, games master thing, whatever right. it is. And again, just so much fun of you get to run around and swing on ropes and climb through mazes in order to try and get money as opposed to stand there and answer questions. So, this sounds like that Nickelodeon show, uh, the temple thing. Yes, but imagine it for grown-ups. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and with Richard O'Brien being gay and fluting in your ear the whole time. Yeah. yeah. So Richard O'Brien and Timothy Dalton comes up with the, come up with this plan that Richard O'Brien is going to convince Flash that he's helping him. But really, he's going to betray him. And you think, ah, the long con. So he does this and then immediately turns on him. <laughs> it's <laughs> so just you like go, within two oh, minutes. Yeah. This isn't the long con. This is just, I got you out. And now we're all pointing swords at you. The end. You didn't have to do the con part. No, <sighs> you just released him and brought him to me, you know? Yeah, Which is, yeah, yeah. It was a weird. It was a weird turn. It's really also the only thing that Richard O'Brien really does in this movie. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to. Oh, we have Richard O'Brien. Well, we got to get him to do something if we're going to get Richard O'Brien in. And so that's what they did. They invented some sort of weird sort of subplot to um to occupy his time. Yeah, I'm sure the director was on set that day and went, "How do we get Flash out? Oh, holy shit! I've got Richard O'Brien here. <laughs> well, there we go. Okay, here we go. Uh, we. We now go to uh, Brian Blessed's palace, which is dazzlingly white. It <laughs> really does not fit anything what they do. I would have thought like it would be some like weird like birds' nests everywhere like, or something. Like Klingon-y, or... right? Yeah, but I like, like it. I like it because I like white, uh, gleaming white sets, kind of like Arthur Dent does in the the galaxy, glow all shiny and gleaming white. That spells science fiction to me. So I actually I appreciated their uh, decor. Yeah, uh, and here, I mean, Brian Blessed is just so charming. Like, no matter what he says, no matter what he's doing, I'm I'm sitting there just going like, you are a delight, sir. An absolute treasure. 
I don't care how loud you're being. Because <laughs> he is the loudest thing in this film. The movie demands it. I plus he's you know he's he's a he's the head bird bad, so he's got to be able to shout to his uh, his soldiers from through the air. So I feel like projection is important. Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe maybe that's how their hierarchy and their system works. It's the loud <laughs> the loudest is the ruler. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like eight terms and and counting basically consecutive. I once popped a man's ear just by standing near him. <laughs> this uh, final set does look like an opera set or something. It oh, looks incredible. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Dale and Dr. Bro are, <laughs> sure. are brought out kind of to be like, yes, you're going to be held prisoner by us, blah, blah, blah. You know, if only Flash were alive, you know, sad, sad, sad. Of course, only one person actually knows that Flash is alive in that room. So we cut back to uh, Flash now doing a... Uh, a Gomjabar chicken with Timothy <laughs> <laughs> Dalton. Uh, to, I don't know to prove that he's trustworthy. I don't understand. Like, yeah, what like what are the parameters they, of this contest? Like, stick stick your thing, in it, stick your arm in the thing. If it get bitten, you're you go mad. If you don't, uh, we can go, go again. <laughs> we go again, essentially. And that's yeah. the thing. Flesh says, this three. is a terrible idea. Yeah. And then Timothy Dalton says, coward. And he's like, well, oh, in that case. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it's a thing. So they go back, forth, back, forth. It's very tense. I will give, like, the editing and the music kudos in making a tense scene of, we've seen somebody get stung by the wood beast earlier. Mm-hmm. So uh, naturally, something bad's going to happen. And oh shit, Flash gets stung and he bends over. Ah, the pain. And Timothy Dalton rushes over, which is where Flash goes, haha, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Takes his sword and says, well, now I can kill you. Or I won't, because actually, let's work together. Because mm-hmm. Flash is the better person. I respectfully disagree that this scene is tense. They're sticking their hands into <laughs> Fraggle Rock. <laughs> At any point, a Muppet's going to come out and like smear felt on them or something like that. <laughs> oh no, the Doozers are in here. Yeah, the most threatening Muppets, the Doozers. <laughs> they get stung by a Doozer. So at this uh, point, everybody uh, receives an engraved invitation to the finale, please. And they yeah. all arrive at the same set. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it when people meet up like that. It's a party. Yeah, they they show up uh, at this hawk dude, eerie kind of thing going on, which is immaculate and i hope to hell that the sets were warm because all of the hawk dudes are barely dressed in this these shots yeah oh my god they're almost naked dalton demands a trial by combat with flash and dale is ecstatic to see flash that is also the sound she made in her head when she saw (laughs) him (laughs) And they get engaged. I know. He says, 
she's like, oh, I've had such an adventure. And he says to her, save it for our kids. The fuck, Flash? You <laughs> just met this lady. We've yeah. been watching their adventure in real time. Yeah. Oh, my I... God. Oh, just... Things moved half. Things moved quickly in those days. Yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously, we underestimate how you know we think today is all fast with the internet and all that. But back then, once you knew, you knew. You said, "Let's not waste time. Let's get married and have kids." Oh God! And this is this is where we get one of the most iconic lines from the film: "Gordon's alive." Uh, I almost missed it. I actually had to go back and say, wait a minute. Is that the scene where it is? I had to actually scroll back because I wasn't paying attention to that exact moment. Like five minutes had passed. Thinking, I think I missed the Gordon's Alive line. <laughs> it's such a good delivery. It's such a Brian Blessed moment. There's a reason why in England, when people talk about Brian Blessed, this is one of his quotes. Yeah. The fact that it's basically like a middling line in a way in the middle of the movie uh it is that the fact that it's so iconic is just a testament to the power of brian blessed good for him oh and and he loves it too he does it all the time i'm like yeah. um uh have i got news for you and whatnot yeah it's not like you know henry winkler like never saying hey again you know like brian he's just leaned into it he's the anti-winkler when you think about it he just <laughs> consistently does it <laughs> It's me, Brian Blessed, the anti winkler Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. So they decide to have a fight to the death on this floating platform that Brian Blessed also has a remote control for that he can use to turn it any way he wants. <laughs> yep. Spikes to come out of it. It's dope. It's such a goofy fucking fight. But it's dope as fuck at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> also provide convenient handles too. Those uh, those spikes. That's the cool thing about it. They're, yeah. Depending on how you know, depending on what you need them for, they might not be sharp enough uh, for spikes, but they are very handy as handles. Uh, oh no, fight. they are sharp enough. But, we find out but later. But they're also they, sharp they at times. Yeah, you feel, yeah. <laughs> you feel like they're not sharp when you need them to be handles, but they're also very sharp when they aren't handles. Uh, it's have, also... af- as of recording this we're going to have our street fighter episode come out in two weeks and i i do feel like we're starting to see a theme of floating hovering platforms <laughs> uh it's also a fight not with fists but with whips yeah. <laughs> okay great sure this is again this... i was looking at it, i was like timothy dalton movie star is he doing much no but the camera loves him out doing it oh god he does uh, Dale says that she loves Flash and you know they've got 14 hours to save the, the Earth, which is weird for both things to be said. How does she know? <laughs> how does she know that there's only 14 hours left? And how does she know that she loves him? How does anyone uh, know that anyone loves anyone? Yep. Yeah. Anything, uh, yeah. It all happens off screen. Just take it as red. <laughs> uh, they fight back forth, back forth, and then Flash manages to knock Dalton down. He almost falls off the edge and he rescues him again. Again, because Flash is a good guy. He can't let Dalton die. And now he and Dalton are besties. Great. Love it. Clytus shows up and demands that the Earth people be given to him. So they murder him. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, no! 
I need more Peter Wingard in this. I know. And and he's not like like I don't know what he is. Is he a chocolate bar underneath there? Like he just sort of like <laughs> oozes out he, like you've poked out the middle of a Cadbury bar. It's like what is even happening to this poor guy? He's like a Muppet that was piloted by goo. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. This is this is the Venom symbiote uh, living yeah. in another world. <laughs> Uh, it's it's uh, the new Marvel what if what if the symbiote landed on a different planet yes <laughs> this is what happens and then they just show Flash the entire Flash Gordon film for two hours and you go wow really a long episode yeah what if what if the symbiote met Doctor Doom instead yeah <laughs> yes, very much is uh, Ming shows up and takes everyone but Flash prisoner who he decides to have a tete-a-tete with. He offers to make Flash a prince. Prince of the land of stench! <laughs> prince of the land of garbage! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's just like, Flash, hey, buddy, dude, I'll make you a prince. It'll be great. I'll enslave the entire Earth populace. They'll live in agony underneath you. Doesn't that sound awesome? And Flash just goes... No. <laughs> I, I personally would have taken this deal and then just been like, I'm the head of Earth and we're coming after you now. Yeah, but... You know, if it's Flash, a case of we have minutes to save Earth. But Flash is the all-American guy. of yeah. he, he doesn't have an ounce of guile within him beyond, ow, maybe I got stung. Haha, tricked you. So Ming blows up the Hawk Dude Palace and Aww. Flash somehow manages to escape by falling onto a flying scooter just in time. Yep. And being very adept at flying it too. Good for him. Yeah, because he's he's a trained pilot. That's true. And uh, control oh whatever. Controls are the yes. same all across the galaxy. It's fine. Set up, payoff. That's <laughs> yeah. how comedy and Flash Gordon works. Yep. <laughs> So he communicates with Brian Blessed and convinces him, like, hey, your palace just got blown up by Ming. Maybe we should just go murder him? And Brian Blessed's all in on it because, you know, Brian Blessed. Mm -hmm. Dale is preparing for marriage and she beats up Princess Aura, but sexily. Oh, yeah. I fell over. <laughs> oh, I fell over again. <laughs> it's literally a pillow fight. Yeah, it's, it's a, a pillow, pillow fight. fight. This woman who has proven earlier that she can cartwheel and murder people has now resorted to a sexy pillow fight. Mm -hmm. Sure. Why not? It's called chivalry. You see, you, you, just, <laughs> you, 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 you work up to your, your opponents, essentially. Well, if you're going to shoot with me with lasers, I'm going to use uh, cartwheels and laser guns. But if uh, you're going to come out with me with pillows, then pillows it is. <laughs> I am Dale. Uh this is where Ming finally professes that even though she voted for the leopards eating people's faces party, she didn't know <laughs> they would eat her face. I uh, mean, she had no idea. Everybody said her dad was evil, but she didn't know they meant evil, evil. Oh, you absolute dumbass. And then Dale instantly <laughs> forgives her, which also makes Dale an absolute dumbass. Yep. So, yeah. Princess Aura gives Dale a poison, the poison to kill Ming, Ming's poison. 
And she says, no, that I gave my word. These people are dumb <laughs> as hell. How they survive is beyond me. She, she honestly says, keeping our word is something that makes us better than you. First off, Dale, racist. Second off, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to murder and enslave people. Just kill him. It's mm -hmm. fine. He's already murdered and enslaved people. Kill yeah. him. It's yeah. fine. You just you just shot like a bunch of guards using uh, cartwheels and laser guns. What's one more? Oh god. So this green lady walks in with her face beat to high heaven, and this is where finally the queen score picks up again. Flash. Uh, yeah it gets I going i love how it like it it can't like for a large chunk of the final like segment of it it's just always it doesn't break build up to the big moment but it goes you just hear that like it's just this constant presence building up to the main action throughout the large portions of that i love it i love that just that just it's like a tempo it's like keeping tempo it's almost like it's a dance it's a big giant dance off and Queen is providing the music and it's great. It's great. It's it's amazing. It this really is the perfect song for this film. Yep. So is. Just wonderful. So Lady Vogue is told that Flash is approaching and she demands that he is fired upon. So he is, but he gets away immediately. You know, for evil police, these guys are also very bad shots. Like Again, soldier. Star Wars. <laughs> Let's look at Star Wars. Suddenly, there's a whole bunch of hawk dudes in the distance. He shows up with Brian Blessed, and this is where Brian Blessed finally gets to start yelling, Die! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I could watch him do that all day. Oh, it's, and he doesn't say it once. He says it like four or five times. So good. <laughs> oh. Oh, uh, uh, I want to. I kind of want to change my phone ringtone, my my noti my message notification to dive now. Yeah. But right now, my phone notification is also perfect because it says you're real gay. Yes, it does. <laughs> this, it was a real shock when I was texting him, standing next to him, and then I heard summoned the unearthly voice from his pocket. Uh, this reminded me of the Rise of Skywalker, where Hawkman's basically just riding horses across the ship. <laughs> Great, but better. They're doing it better because yes. when they get shot out of the sky, it's just a solitary dude flailing his arms as he is lowered on wires very yes. gently yeah at, at a slightly faster rate than the rest of the people next to him essentially yeah yes the, the hawk dudes must have like hollow bones right which is why they start falling so gently at first <laughs> be it. we don't we don't see that we can all, so yeah it's a, it's a safe assumption yeah it's uh, it's great so much uh, the Hawk dudes attack the one ship and it gets its shit handed to it. Holy crap. Like, these Hawk dudes should not be doing this much damage. But, to be fair, apparently Ming's forces have gotten real complacent since conquering Mongo. That, um, you know, they've all become garbage. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, you know, this, this does feel very much like an empire in decline with so many uh, 
warring factions looking to uh, create a rebellion that I could totally see the guards just sort of, yeah, we've been, we've been in power for a long time with no one to really oppose us. They've be, become stagnant. That's canon. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Yeah. Flash, Flash and uh, Brian Blessed have a bit of a tete-a-tete. And Flash is like, I'm going to go in. And this is where Brian Blessed said, ah, who wants to live forever? <laughs> ah, die! <laughs> Oh, that's my favorite bit of the movie because the Queen music is just going crazy. I remember I saw a clip of Flash Gordon. That was the first clip I had ever seen was just that brief clip. Who wants to live forever? Dive. Uh, And I thought, what is this movie? I have no idea what Flash Gordon is, but one day I will see this movie. It was that exact uh, couple seconds that got me. (laughs) It's it's amazing. I mean, Brian Blessed looks like he's just having the best time constantly yep. through this film he doesn't care he's got his nope. thighs out <laughs> he's, <laughs> right? he's just here to murder dudes and yell and that feels just so brian blessed you know what uh, they say skies out thighs out yep <laughs> yes oh <laughs> uh, so they make it onto the ship where they blow up half of it and murder everyone inside and we get we get a quick cut to Doctor Bro, yep, in, in jail, and he's he's talking with a, a person who says, "Tell me more about this man Houdini." Great, love it, love uh, this idea that he's just been talking about Houdini, and there's already graffiti about Flash Gordon inside this jail. This I is never noticed. Oh, wow, I didn't notice Gordon that. Presence is it's you know, uh, long live Flash or something like that. Right. Wow. He's already a folk hero. That's amazing. It's great. Uh, Princess Aura breaks out. Timothy Dalton and Doctor Bro, but they only have three and a half minutes left of this twenty minutes left film to stop <laughs> to stop Ming from destroying the Earth. Three minutes and 24. That's three minutes, Earth seconds, 24 seconds. That's how it works. That's how it works. I like how he's uh, he's explaining how time works, which is pretty great. Now, Dale is dressed as a slutty evil empress. I love it. She's gorgeous. And somehow the evil Ming band knows to play the wedding march procession. Yeah, don't get into this. Same as the thanks flash at the end. If we get into that, then it's just... (laughs) (laughs) That's will lead us down a path that there is no coming back from. Listen, I do like Brian May playing the wedding march uh, is really what more weddings around the world need. Because that is an awesome, awesome arrangement of it. You could, you know, 12 different tracked guitars on there, the guitar harmonies and stuff. Yeah. Of course. If if we're going to do anything, we might as well do it over the top. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Which is why in the background of these shots are little spaceships going across with banners saying, all creatures will make merry under pain of death. <laughs> I don't love that. <laughs> like a scholar. Uh, like uh, oh, man. Ming is such a fucking queen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lady Vogue wants the lightning field charged and tells people that don't worry about all the weapons being fired. They're being fired in celebration. Yes, celebration. Uh-huh. Great. Uh, the lightning field thing, though, when it came on, I was like, oh, my God. 
have you guys watched uh, Star Trek Voyager? Uh, uh, only yeah. parts of it. <laughs> okay. So there's this sort of recurring thing that happens in Voyager is that one of the characters, Paris, loves these old serials, right? And it's, oh, yeah. it's like, it's Captain Cosmos because, of course, they can't say Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers. Captain <laughs> no. Cosmos. So he goes into the holodeck, which becomes black and white and makes him black and white. And there's a whole episode where he gets trapped in the holodeck. So people have to go in to help rescue him. But the programming's gone faulty. So all of the these Ming-adjacent, right, uh, Flash Gordon-adjacent villains believe that they're real. So Janeway has to show up as uh, the Spider Queen and convince the evil emperor to lower his thunder field around his palace. And the it's thunder just, field. Just like beat for beat. It is perfect. It is so campy, over the top to see Janeway walk in in this spider-themed ball gown. Amazing. And for her to ham up this performance of a 1940s space supervillain. Great. Love it. Awesome. Lightning field. That, that uh, explains so- about most of, like, basically, you know, Tom Paris gets stuck in a holodeck and someone has to rescue him. It explains about 40% of uh, Star Trek Voyager episodes in the last five seasons. It's, uh, it's a running yeah, theme uh- there. It's either Seven of Nine learns a valuable lesson about humanity. Yeah. Uh, Harry Kim falls in love with something new this week. <laughs> yep. While somehow uh, or, remaining an ensign after seven uh, years of uh, deep space. Quite frankly, it's because I hate Harry Kim. Right? Yeah, we all do. We it, all do. His, his only character beat is, I'm sad I'm not on Earth. I'm Paris's best friend. I play the oboe. I'm going to fall in love this week. <laughs> oh, it didn't work out well. Didn't work out again, eh? Damn. Oh, back oh well. Yep. Back to try and get out of being an ensign. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Never works. Never works. So Brian Blessed and Flash take over this ship, and uh, Brian Blessed just leaves him there to die as Flash decides, you know what? I'm going to ram the lightning field because somebody's got to. Yeah. Great. And everybody says, yes, you who first set a hand on this console two hours ago, you are the best prepared to do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Timothy Dalton and Dr. Bro kill Lady Vogue, and she also turns into horrible black liquid. <laughs> like black goo, that's right. She, she knows liquid. how to make an exit. She is. <laughs> <laughs> she vogued in and she gooed out. <laughs> Uh, Timothy Dalton proceeds to murder everyone as well. Yeah, because... he says, I'm going to go off screen right now and fix the rest of the plot. You don't need to see me do any of it. Nope. Just walks in, shoots one thing, all the people in the room die, uh, shoots a bunch of other, just comes in, just cleans house. It's so great. And he uh... does it, as, as is everything, straight down the middle, completely serious like this is a war movie and i am timothy dalton fighting the nazis it's great he's so good his earnestness really makes this because this could have been a cheesy sort of carrie elwes uh in princess bride kind of role yeah yeah he didn't he chose not to yeah that's a good point carrie always very much doing everything with a wink and a nod in that and and in robin hood whereas timothy dalton is like well i've lived 30 years on this 
tree planet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I made it through my Gomjabar bar mitzvah. Gomjabar mitzvah. Gomjabar there mitzvah. Yeah. There, there we go. go. I finally got to the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Dale and Ming are getting married as dramatically as possible. <laughs> And Queen, because Ming's a messy bitch who loves drama. Yeah, <laughs> she does. And at the same time, Queen is fucking going all out on this Flash song as Flash yeah. almost burns to death in his ship that never seems to get any closer to the palace. Nope, <laughs> just like it goes there. Ten seconds pass. Cut to the clock. Two seconds have passed. It's uh, yeah, it takes forever to get there. It takes a while. Dalton murders the lightning field and then murders more dudes. Legit, <laughs> legitimately, he is doing so much more than Flash is doing in this film. Yep. But everybody loves Flash. Everybody loves Flash. They need yep. a they need a figurehead. They need a, a symbol to get behind. Who's mm. Dalton? Nobody. It's Flash. Welsh is what he is. And this is where you think. That Flash is just going to careen the ship into the palace, get out and fight Ming. No, he careens the ship into the palace and impales Ming on the end of it. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. That was just a great. That was great. Spectacular. The aim that it takes to <laughs> Yeah. One, two. Listen, you don't get to be the quarterback of the New York Jets without knowing how to aim. Thread that oh. needle, baby. That's a spiral pass right to the end zone <laughs> for a touchdown. That's what oh. Flash Gordon brings. Legitimately amazing. Uh, and then and it doesn't um, kill him. It doesn't kill no. him. I thought that he like he would like die on there, but no, he slides himself off. Of yeah. And then uh, carries on, and uh, there's still like a scene after that, which was amazing. But they have a a fight to the death where Ming all of a sudden teleports ascends dies it's not quite clear but he glows and disappears leaving only his ring behind bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> yep <laughs> the reactors have been stopped the orb uh, comes down and congratulates flash <laughs> love that have a nice day yeah have a nice day <laughs> yeah and now dalton is the new king yep just like that yeah and uh hawkeye is uh for what for lack of a better word uh is, is voltan <laughs> voltan is his new like i don't know sergeant at arms or something and there you go yeah he he's head of the military all of these forces that have been battling until then have brought have been brought together by the careful diplomacy of flash gordon yeah, yeah. very carefully <laughs> piloting on a rocket into the palace and impaling uh ming Listen, has anyone else impaled Ming before this? No, 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 you're right. Yep. Quite frankly, I I would get behind anybody who could crash a 747 into Donald Trump and impale him. (laughs) Oh, thank God that was the end of the sentence because I was getting really worried, Sam. Um, (laughs) uh, But you think this is the end of the movie, but then Lucy Saxon appears and picks up things (laughs) right The you end? have to think. You have Question. to think. That's where Russell T. Davies got that from. For... It's got to be right. Yeah, it's just it just makes the end. And apparently, they were thinking of a sequel. Uh, but um, I and I don't I don't know if that's the end, the end of the movie. But um, because D, Dino De Laurent and Sam J. Jones, who played Flash Gordon, got into some sort of disagreement during post production. Oh, uh, 
but yeah, so he leaves the film before they even have any chance to do any overdubbing. And so you never hear Sam J. Jones as Flash Gordon because they couldn't get him. He was no longer in the film by the time. So he's he's voiced by an entirely different actor. And if they're not going to bring what? Him, yeah, he, that's not it's Jeff, an Italian film, man. Yep. Yep. No, but uh, but he's he's been he's ADR to the whole he, film. The mm-hmm. entire film he's played by some that is an, other random uh, American voice artist. Yep. That is an excellent job. Not just because of uh, it, it's in Italy, but because he left the film and they had a disagreement and uh, and so they didn't have him to to do you know the few shots of him that they needed ADR, so they just redubbed him for the entire movie. And they didn't Peter know who Marinker. it was. Peter Marinker yeah. did the ADR. And they nobody knew who it was for like years. Mm-hmm. Like it only came out like in like the last ten, five, ten years who who it was. It was a mystery for the longest time, which I find fascinating. So because they didn't have Flash, like the original actor to play it, uh, the the idea of a sequel died right then and there. So that was actually paying off into a sequel. I'm really glad that it didn't because I love that it ends there. Because quite clearly Ming has been vaporized, and it seems really dumb that he would come back to life again. And that's what is makes that ending so perfect. The fact that he would actually pick it up after being so obviously be vaporized. That's great. Yep. Perfect. No notes. That's how a queen, he entered like a queen. He exited like a queen. <laughs> Accompanied by queen. Yeah. Exit stage left, uh, followed by bear wink. Yep. <laughs> so Sarah and Steven, We've mm-hmm. come to the big question that we all must answer. Uh, is Flash Gordon camp? Steven, you go first. Yes. Please do. Yes, 100% <laughs> is. Absolutely. The fact that everyone plays it so seriously is what makes it so camp, I feel. If they were all sort of having a laugh at it, and they kind of are, but they really aren't when you think about it. And that's what makes it so great. Sarah? Yeah, this is camp. This is an incredibly beautiful movie that I am surprised exists, um, but again, reinforces to me the absolute miracle that was Star Wars because they tried to make this and they made a really genuinely uh, heart-tugging movie instead, which always surprises me. Um, it's I've said before, I can't imagine a world without Star Wars, and... Uh, and this just goes to show that if you don't do it in that moment, you don't get Star Wars, which has been proven time and time again as they try to make more of them. Um, but yes, this is camp. And you know, I'm going to come in and agree wholeheartedly. This film is camp. The fact that it it holds so hard onto the retro futuristic look from the original serials. It doesn't try to update them. It doesn't say, no, 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 we can do this better. We can make things like the rockets sleeker. They don't have to be on little wires kind of thing. No, they went in and said, let's make it goofy as fuck. Yeah, it could have been dark and like Batman, Tim Burton style or something. <laughs> yeah. No, we lean into the color. That's so yeah. great. We want this te- technicolored masterpiece. We want the costumes to be over the top. We want Brian Blessed walking around almost naked for Sam to enjoy. <laughs> 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 and, I mean, I think I think we got. Uh, while it it didn't it wasn't successful. Clearly, uh, I think we got the best possible version of whatever could have come from it. 
Uh, so thank you for joining us today on our exploration of Flash Gordon. I can't, our exploration of Flash Gordon. <laughs> Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice. Leave a star rating and review where you can, because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is. Yes. And next week we will begin, we will begin our month long uh, kind of dive into romance films because it's February. We're not just going to give the February 14th week it, uh, a romance movie. We're going to give all of February nothing but romance going forward. So our first film coming up will be Roxanne starring Daryl Hannah and Steve Martin. Uh, I love this movie. Sarah, and yes, yeah. I mean, it's also great timing because the Cyrano film is coming out soon and yeah. I really want to see that too. Ugh. Steven, anything to say about Roxanne? I saw it once. I didn't know it was a retelling of Serrano de Bergerac. I don't remember anything else of it. Uh, did, but you see it thinking, did you see it thinking that it was a retelling of Bergerac, the British TV series? <laughs> <laughs> no one could top Bergerac, the original TV series. Uh, but now that you made me think about that, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> also shot in the interior of BC. <laughs> really? More CanCon. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Every yeah, day it's, is it's not Kelowna, but it's somewhere near Kelowna. Fascinating. Great. I didn't know that. I love it. I, I'm very excited. This will be our first Steve Martin film. And uh, I think, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to do uh, four romance properties in a row. I mean, you said it's our first Steve Martin, but we have done Pink Panther. And if you want to keep doing Pink Panther, we're going to follow this all the way down the line. This is a oh, curse. We're, we're going to get all the way to the end of Pink Panther, of course. And we yeah. will regret those last couple of films. Yeah. But sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, you can continue the discussion on our Twitter and Instagram. I am at Chris Indigo, all one word. R-H-Y-S, spelled the Welsh way. And I am at Sour Citrus Lady. Now, Stephen, what is, how can people get in touch with you? And what is the full list of your podcasts? Because I stopped keeping track several years ago. Well, I, I, uh, I'm on Twitter as Legopolis, L-E-G-O-P-O-L-I-S. Uh, I'm on Radio Free Scarl, which is my main Doctor Who podcast. I'm on Lazy Doctor Who with my spouse, Erica, who we watch Doctor Who very lazily. And so we're kind of infrequent. Uh, Kyle Anderson and I do the memory cheats where we focus on each individual showrunner of Doctor Who. So we haven't actually been on for like a couple years. Uh, we have, we know when we are coming back. It just hasn't been announced yet. Um, and then, uh, I'm, I guess that's it. So really I'm only on three and, and only one of those is a regular podcast, Sarah. So, um, I'm, I'm not as busy as you think I am. <laughs> All right. Um, when the memory cheats gets around to RTD again, how are you going to handle that? Are you going to do everything RTD again? No. Uh, in, the, I, in 10 years or wherever you're covering him? It will be whatever is in his, uh, his second go around will be his, uh, will be series five of, uh, oh, series five? Series five. Yes, yeah, series five of the, probably sometime in 2028. So look forward to that. I'll put it on my calendar now. Okay. Uh, you can follow the pod on at is it camp pod until next week. Wait an hour before swimming, watch out for snakes and stay camp. Bye. Dive! God damn it.
two cam. No, not the way you do it.